0: home oh. man stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, America. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This is the show, of course, where you come for the accent and you stay for the principles. And I hope you're keeping well. I apologize for missing last week's show. This tour has been incredibly hard. Um, I fired my scheduler. And that's me, in case you're wondering who I fired. Uh, This this tour has been crazy, man. I've loved every part of it. I've loved every minute of it. But some events just are crazy, and the travel is unbelievable. And it's not easy to travel in your country right now. I don't know if many of you have been doing it with the pandemic, but um, it's hard to hire cars. It's hard to do all the hassle. And basically, last week, I was planning on doing a show and had all these different events and was just crazy doing 16-hour days pretty much every day. And then... um, I got to South Carolina. I was supposed to do my show and I had to wait three hours for a car and then the car didn't come and then I had to go to a different company. And long story short, I had to basically pay $503 for a car for about 36 hours, which is quite a bargain, I'm sure you'll feel. So I apologize for last week's show. I'm, I'm trying my best to, to, as I'm doing this tour with 65 events in 85 days not to miss a show. Um, but sadly, it's happened a couple of times and I do apologize. The second thing I have to do is full disclosure, because you know I'm always honest with you guys about what's going on and going on behind the scenes. I feel the need in, in America today, in 2021, to, to fully disclose that this show is not sponsored by Pfizer, because it appears every other show in the country is sponsored by Pfizer. We're not one of them. But today, I want to give you some hope, and I want to share some stories with you today of what I've learned from my tour, but I also want to talk to you about some things that are happening within your country that actually are promising, that give me hope, that actually people are starting to wake up. And not only just wake up, but starting to do things the right way. So the first story is what? So backstory on the, the first story I want to share with you. When you're a farmer, and the problem is, first off, the first problem when you're a farmer is nobody knows agriculture today. You know, that's one of the things that we have changed. We've become so spoilt and so pampered and so privileged. I know that word is only ever supposed to be used when it's called after whiteness. But as a society, we are so privileged in 2021. We literally have electricity at the turn of a switch. We have countless TV programs. We have so much information on our phone. We are so disconnected from how life actually works, from how... And what needs to happen to get the end product to a shelf? And one of the problems in your country, and this is a problem that's somewhere in other parts of the world, is that the large companies, the slaughterhouses, where literally the farmer will like raise pigs or sheep or cattle or buffalo and raise them and live them. And then we'll pass them on when it's time to, you know, it's time to turn them into into products, into meat. They will literally give them off to these houses, and then they'll process the meat for them, and then they package it, and then it goes to a distributor, and then it goes—basically, long story short—goes through a supply chain, and it goes into your Walmart, your Costco, your Sam's Club, or wherever you buy your meat, or it goes to McDonald's and they cook it for your burger, or it goes to Denny's, where you know whatever the process is, and then ultimately that's how you get it. Well, one of the problems in America is there's four companies that do about eighty percent of um, processing meat at these slaughterhouses and it's caused a lot of problems one of the problems is is that they set the pricing of what they're going to give the farmers and the ranchers for their cattle for their sheep for their animals and despite your country going through a massive amount of inflation that you can you can see on the ground Unless you're like living in cloud nine and you don't actually do your own shopping, unless you're like a millionaire and a billionaire who literally has like a, you know, an accountant who literally distributes, you know, look at, pays all the household bills and you pay someone to do your shopping for you. Maybe that person doesn't know what's going on on the street, but everyone else does. You know, there's crazy prices on everything on fuel, on beef, on produce, on fruit, on vegetables, on dairy. It's crazy. But despite all those prices for those beef prices going up, the prices to the farmers that they get for their cattle, for their products is going down. And how can this happen? Because there's only four companies and they all are big multinational companies, big conglomerates. Now, what's the answer to this? Because I've heard some people on the right talk about this problem for about a year or two now. And all the answers is this. What we need is a government to get involved. What we need is government to get in there and break up the monopoly. There the should be the amount of slaughterhouses and the amount of meat processing America does because you have 313 million people is not enough to only have four companies. We need to break those companies up. Really? This is where I get frustrated with some of my friends on the right. I get frustrated because... It's easy to be for principles. It's easy to say, you know, like Ronald Reagan used to have that saying, you know, government is never the solution. Government is always the problem. But it appears now more and more some of my friends on the right, and they are some of my friends, are more and more open to government. Are more and more open to, well, we need the government to get involved. Or we need more and more, you know, we need to just do something. We need to use the government power our way. This is not the America I love. This is not the America I defend. This is not the America I promote. This is you and I'm going to be blunt about this because the times are getting dark and you need some bluntness because the softness approach isn't working. This is you becoming like Europe because one of the reasons your country is unique and exceptional and has no equal in the rest of the world is this. Every other country said there is a ring of power. They disagreed and debated and discussed how the power ring was used, when it was used, and how much severity it was used at, how much influence the ring had. Every other country said there is a ring, but they debated all those principles. America is the only country that said there is no ring. It's up to the individual that there is no problem in a society that an individual seeking out profit cannot fix. But what I see more and more is that America on both sides of the aisle embracing this notion, which is a very European very worldview with there is a ring. Now, you might be a very conservative person, kind of go, well, there is a ring, but we only use it in these scenarios, or when it's desperate times. But that, again, is not what your founders saw for. That's not what's in your Declaration of Independence. There is no ring. And if you're deciding there is a ring, be very careful what you wish for. Because if you admit there is a ring and you accept that, and it becomes common frame in your country, guess what happens? Your country changes. Your country becomes like every other country that's ever existed. And in the best scenario that you have, when you have the ring of power is what? That the person who holds the ring at all times is your friend and is benevolent and will not abuse it. Look around at your country right now. Are you seriously telling me there's anyone you would trust? Would you trust me with that ring? Would you trust Glenn with that ring? I don't know anyone I would trust with that ring. That is not the case. But going back to the meat processing plan, what was the solution? Well, you see, you could have government get involved. That's a fact. That's that's what your president's done right now. Your president has, in this new budget, and this new proposal, has put forward $1.4 billion for food processors that were affected by COVID-19. That's what joe biden has done is that a good thing or a bad thing but what's the solution what's the solution for the ranchers is it government getting involved is it some government program or is this oh i don't know what's that called oh yes the american spirit, the american ideal that there's a problem and let us work together to fix this and thank god in america to give you some hope that is what's happening there is a person called rusty kemp And a man you've never known, never had any influence on, is standing up to be an American once again. And what has he done? Well, he stepped up and organized and talked with fellow ranchers, and they've raised collectively $300 million. And they've bought a place of 400 acres in Nebraska, and they are going to make a meat processing plant to to compete with the four big major companies. That is the answer. You want to solve America's problems, competition, innovation, creativity. There's a great saying that I really encourage you to think about. Desperation is the fertilization of creativity. We are living in desperate times. What are we going to create right now? Are we going to petition the government to get involved? Are we going to petition the government to fight our fight? Are we going to stand up? And I can't say we, because I'm not an American yet. It might happen one day soon you never know stay tuned for news on that one but if it happens is it the idea of america to stand up and say no we don't need government we don't need you to solve our problems we will solve it ourselves that's what these ranchers have done good news second good news story of the day donald trump You see, one of the things that frustrates me with all my friends, again, on the right, because it's easy to talk about our friends on the left, oh, how wrong they are, and how vile they are, and how stupid they are, and blah, 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 blah. You've heard all the monologues all the time, right? My frustration with my friends on the right is you're you're looking for government to solve your problems. Social media, we need to break them up. What's so frustrating is some of my friends on the right are starting to sound a lot like Elizabeth Warren and talking about breaking up big tech. Because that's what Elizabeth Warren's position is, is are we all of a sudden to start turning around, especially my friends who are really conservative, really, really constitutionalist? are we all of a sudden to turn around now and say Elizabeth Warren is actually right about something? Is that possible? Breaking up big tech. But what is the answer to this? Constantly, I've said this, if you want to change big tech, stop using it. Because you have the power in your people And I've said this, and people don't understand this, but I'm going to give you some news that happened recently. And I'll just give you some numbers. Roughly 70 million people voted for Donald Trump. I've always said if 10% of them left social media, left Facebook, that's 7 million users. Can you imagine what would happen if Facebook had to report 7 million users deleted their Facebook account when it's the next week or the next month or the next set of public figures that were announced? Can you imagine what happened to their share price? By the way, why am I bringing this up now? Because now I actually have the ammunition to say, when Facebook crashed a couple of weeks ago for like 18 hours, the share price dropped 5%. It rebounded when when it got back online. But here's the thing. For 18 hours, the share price dropped 5%. 5% for an 18-hour drop. Can you imagine if 10 million users left? 5 million users. Heck, if 1 million people deleted their account and never came back, what would happen to the share price? Then you think they'd be more open to talking to you? But you see, what's happening is you like complaining about it, but when some people give you the solutions of leave, oh, no, I can't do that. I'm entitled to use Facebook. We need government to break them up because government all of a sudden now is our friends. Really? some hope and your opinion on donald trump does not matter but donald trump is stepping up you may never use his platform you may use it a lot it might be successful it might fail but at least donald trump is stepping up and going you know what Here's another social media here's a competitive place for you to go i don't know what the platform is going to be like because i haven't read too much details on it he just announced earlier this week he's going to set up truth social I don't know how good it's going to be. I don't know what the background is going to be like. I don't know how what the infrastructure is going to be like, how much people will be able to deal with, what the servers are going to be. There's going to be loads of problems. But whether you like him or not, he's stepping up. He's giving a new platform. He's giving Facebook some competition. Now, again, you don't have to leave Facebook. But imagine if you stopped using Facebook and deleted your account and went onto this new platform. Can you imagine what happened with Facebook? Can you imagine what would happen to the algorithm? Can you imagine what would happen to their share price? how you solve all your problems is not by government government is never the answer government is always the problem and this is where i give you the third story of hope in your country right now you have options i get your pain i get your frustration i even get your anger but you have more solutions in your country than you're willing to realize and it's time to i get you have to lick your wounds But it's time to break off the shackles of fear. It's time to break off the shackles of we're done. It's time to break off the shackles of we can't do anything, that in 2021, we don't have the answers. Really? You'd be surprised. You'd be shocked at the amount of power you have. But here's a story for you. Something that happened this week. You see, you're seeing all the people. And again, unless you're a millionaire and billionaire who doesn't do their own shopping, you're feeling the depreciation and inflation of the dollar. You're seeing your dollar buy less. Its value been depreciated. If you have $10, what you could buy in Walmart uh, six months ago, a month ago, a week ago is less than what you can buy, is is more than what you could buy today. You're seeing it happen. You're seeing your food bill go through the roof. You're seeing your gas prices go up. And you're seeing gas prices go up now. And I don't know what the weather is like where you are, but where I am, I'm recording this in Florida right now it's brilliant it's like october 20th or 21st or someday someday i'm i've lost all track of time i apologize with this tour but it's at least the 20th of october it's 88 degrees outside and the oil and the gas prices is 3.25 dollars 25 a gallon can you imagine what it's going to be like when it gets to winter can you imagine what's going to be like november december january what do you think is going to put that on the supply chain what do you think is going to happen what we need is to understand that, yes, the currency is a problem, but we have a solution or many solutions, and you just got to decide which one as a public you want to use. The breaking news this week is that currency is going to start changing. And something happened in, in your country this week that just really added a bit of fuel to that fire. And this wasn't a negative thing. This was a positive thing. Bitcoin this week broke its all-time high price. It's gone up to $67,000 a coin. It's dropped back a bit, but it will go back up again. And the sad thing about this is there's people out there, there are voices out there that say, oh, Bitcoin's nothing but a scam. Bitcoin is dead. Bitcoin has been dead so many times over the last few years, it's actually laughable. They're nearly as wrong about Bitcoin as many times as they're wrong about politics. But the big news this week was Bitcoin got an ETF launched after it. And this is going to have more access to people into 401ks through this ETF. More people are going to get access to it. More retail. What do you think that's going to do? You have options because you're seeing your currency be worthless. And it's going to continue, especially with all these trillions of dollar proposals that's going on in D.C. Your dollar is going to keep buying less and less and less. Traditionally, the safe haven has been gold. But now you have another safe haven potentially whether it's Bitcoin, whether it's Iridium, whether it's Cardano, whether it's Litecoin, whether it's Bitcoin Cash. I don't know what the answer is, but you have so many of them. In fact, you have 11,000 cryptocurrencies right now. But you have the potential. You have one of the solutions. You see, here's the thing you need to start understanding. Government is never the solution. Government is always the problem. And the solutions always lie in the people. There's three stories that are from your country this week. That show you the american spirit is still alive the american spirit is still well and the american spirit will solve your problems if you start embracing creativity if you once again turn from government and start embracing innovation and once again if you remember just who the hell you are So that's the hope that's within your nation. There's a lot of bad things going on in your nation. And I'm working on a couple of specials over the next couple of weeks because your president had a press conference at 5 p.m. I think it was 5 p.m. last Friday when he spoke and when he openly spoke about the Great Reset and what's happening in your economy. I'm working on that as a special because you have a role in this. If you don't want the Great Reset, if you don't know what the Great Reset is, first of all, Google it. But secondly, if you don't want this to happen, you need to start acting as an individual. You need to start getting your house in order and you need to start living within your means. Because if you don't, you're actually only not only ruining your own potential, you're actually affecting other people's because you are literally speeding up the great reset. That's one of the specials I'm working on. The second special I'm working on which is going to come out over the next few weeks is one of the questions I've gotten at some of my events or in private have been about this national divorce stuff. I'm going to do a special on that as well. But I want to talk to you about some of the bad things because I've learned a lot on this trip. First thing I want to talk to you about is a bit of politics. And I'm not in sides. I just want to talk to you about plain old facts. You know, when you see things on telly and when you see things in person, they're different. You feel things differently. This is for everyone, right? It's like watching a concert on TV. You watch a concert on TV, you're like, that's good. You watch a concert in person, you get feel it. You can feel the music. You can feel the aura. You can feel all the excitement. It's amazing. It's good. You know, it's in person. It's so much better. So I'm doing this tour. And I'm going around speaking. And because of its election season in some places, and because obviously 2022 is going to be big in your country, a lot of the events I'm speaking at have politicians starting off. And you have sometimes one, two, three, five. The most, I think I've had is six politicians speaking in front of me. And I'm usually blessed in the sense that most of the times I'm the keynote. So you have your politicians starting off and sometimes they get, I'm one of the politicians was a sitting politician in Tennessee. He got like 20 minutes or something before me. And then I was the keynote and other ones is like, you know, four, five, six minutes. And then you go, to, I get to go on and close them out. What did I learn? What am I learning? I understand why Trump won. And it's not for the reasons anyone else thinks. Some people will say this, but, you know, it's not because of, you know, his policies. It's not because of anything else, but he's different. And I'm going to explain why he won, in my opinion. And I'm going to explain a problem that's within your country right now. Why did Trump win? Because he did things different. The first thing he did is he told it how it is. He didn't use the same cliches, and I'll come back to these in a second, because I'm going to relate to them, what's going on in your country now. And the second one is, he's charismatic. I could tell these two things in advance. I knew these things. You don't get to be Donald Trump, do you, you can hate Donald Trump. You could disagree with every policy that he stands for. He knew how to control a room. By the way, in case anyone thinks I've being partisan here, I say the same thing about Bill Clinton. I've heard people speak about Bill Clinton who hated Bill Clinton. And I remember, forget, a Republican friend of mine went to went to a dinner and they he was one of these things, you know, where they, the company would buy like a table of eight or a table of 12. And he was like, you got to go to this fundraiser. He's like, oh, cool. And then he was messaging me at the time. He was like, Bill Clinton's the keynote. I want to walk out. And he's, he stayed because it was his company. He didn't want to cause a fuss. This is many years ago. And he went, you know what? I hated everything he said, but he made me feel like he was talking just to me in that room. He had that presence, he had that aura. You can control a room where you can't. Some people have it, some people don't. But they're charismatic. Barack Obama had charisma as well to a lesser extent. He wasn't a Bill Clinton, he wasn't a Trump. Again, you can hate these men or disagree with everything they say, you can't deny they have charisma. Why do I say that this is why he won now compared to what's going on? Because of what I'm experiencing. I'm looking at your politicians speaking. And here's where I'm not to give you, I hope I don't hurt you and I hope I don't bring you down, but they're horrible. I don't know enough about their policies. They could be the most principled people in the world. They're dull. They're boring. They're bland. They're not charismatic. And literally every speech is the same speech. I was at an event, I think about a week ago, I think it was like four or five politicians. And there was a quote unquote, a moderate Republican a Republican, a Conservative Republican, a Conservative and a Libertarian. And what's funny is they pretty much all said the same thing. They spoke in the same dull, boring, bland voice with no enthusiasm just like this. Imagine me talking like this. It would be rather boring, even with my Irish accent, right? Dull and boring. And they all said the same cliches. It was literally like, it was like, you know, it was like shopping list. I've got to say this. I've got to say this. I've got to say this. And literally catering to certain parts of the audience. But you know, the funny thing is, from the moderate Republican all the way to the libertarian, do you know how they all started their speeches? Because I actually took some notes. Because I was actually like, oh my god, these are all horrible, and I wrote them down in my on my iPhone and my notes. Everyone started the same speech: "Hi, I'm so and so. I'm running for this office in this district, and I'm not your typical politician." Everyone says it. it's just become cliche because it sounds well. It's poll tested well. No, I'm just not the typical politician. Well, everyone says it. The moderate Republican to the Libertarian to the Constitution or to the conservative Republican says they're not a typical politician. Guess what? You are. You're the typical politician in 2021. Why? Because everyone says they're not the typical politician. That makes you typical. I hate to break it to them. But then they all hit these criteria. They all share the same stuff. I'm America first. I'm pro-police. I'm pro-military. I'm a Christian. I'm a conservative. I'm a constitutionalist. All the little criteria, and they share absolutely no principles, no value. They're dull, they're boring, they're bland, and they're uninspiring. They have zero charisma, the vast majority of them. Now, why am I saying this? First off, the answer to this is simple. It's time for new candidates to rise up. But also, here's the problem as well within your culture. Your culture is so old-fashioned, playing by the same playbook since the 1990s. And then you wonder why you think you're losing. Everyone tells you the same consultants advise all the different political parties, and they all say the same thing, that you're to act this way, you're to talk this way, you're to, to say the following phrases, that these resonate with the people. And what's sad is these consultants charge a pretty penny for their consultancy fees. And they'll tell you, well, this is what the people want to hear. Well, how can you say that? How can you say this is what the people want to hear? We found 500 people and they said it. They picked this option as the best option. You know what's funny is the politicians are so blind and sadly, it's not true anything else. And when they say they're ignorant, it's not ignorance, true choice. It's ignorance to this is how they're told how to act. Their poll testing is wrong. How can I say this? Because I look at the reactions of the people. The people are not responding. The people are hurt. The people are down. And the people need some inspiration. And then they look at these dull, boring, bland politicians, and they don't get it. And the other thing is, people are trying to be Donald Trump. They're trying to be the replica of Donald Trump. This is also a problem. Why? This is not an attack on Trump. Let me give you an analogy. I think, in my opinion, the greatest quarterback that's ever lived is Tom Brady. I can say that because of his success. I can say that what he's playing with the teams he's played with. I can say what he's impacted the game, but also I can say this. Why? Because he's still in his 40s and he's still throwing bullets and he's still potentially like one of the favorites to win the Super Bowl this year at, what, 44? That's incredible. If that's not the best of all time, I don't know. It will take something miraculous to beat that. But Tom Brady's playbook, could I be successful? At 6'1", 300 pounds, could I be successful using Tom Brady's playbook? Well, it worked for Tom Brady. He's the greatest quarterback of all time. Well, i just I just follow that playbook. No, I don't have the arm Tom Brady is. I can't move like Tom Brady can. I don't have the experience. I don't have the vision. I don't have the skill. I don't have the technique. I don't have the reps. But it works for Tom Brady. It should work for me, right? Nope. That's not how life works, kid. It would be great if it could, if we could just use the same playbook. People are Some other people are using the Donald Trump playbook, and it's not working. It's not resonating with people. Why? Because they're not Donald Trump. What you need to start doing is you need people to stand up and say, you know what? I'm going to break the mold. I'm not going to be like every other politician. I'm not going to hire the same consultants. I'm not going to act the same way. I'm not going to try and be the next Donald Trump or the next great conservative or the next great Ted Cruz or the great next Mike Lee or Rand Paul. I'm going to be the first this person. I'm going to be the first me. And I'm going to tell you a story. I'm going to share a narrative with you. And I believe if you start sharing that and you start finding politicians, you win. It's time to start sharing stories again. And the reason I say this to you is because here's where I'll get political. The left, quote unquote, if we want to use the language of the day, is telling you exactly who they are. And the American people are not liking it. And yet, What would happen in a normal scenario like this? If one political side is so brazen in what they're doing and the people are rejecting it, surely you would think the opposition would be surging. They would be rising up. They would be favorites for every election under the next set of elections. Why? Because the other side is so unpopular. But look at what's happening in your country. Look at what's happening. Why am I sharing all of this? To give you encouragement and to tell you, get your priorities right. This is the easiest enemy you will ever beat if you're willing to act, if you're willing to stand, and if you're willing to start doing the right thing. Also, and this is where it gets unpopular, if you stop focusing on them and you start focusing on yourself start controlling your narrative, start controlling your stories, and start standing for what you believe in, and make the polar opposites absolutely crystal clear of what you stand for. Look around at the people on your side, quote unquote. Are they doing this? Are your leaders in your political parties doing this? And if they're not, why not? It's time to admit you have a problem. I've been saying this for a long time in the nicest possible way, But two parties in your country are not the American people's friends. I don't know how you solve this. I have my own opinions, but I'm not getting involved in your elections. Heaven forbid that in 2022, the media get hold of what I say, and all of a sudden we have Irish collusion. But also it's not my job as an outsider to tell you how to fix your politics. My job is to ask you and plead with you and beg you to look around and start going, let's admit the problems we have in our country let's admit the problems we have and let's start moving forward and let's stop focusing on what we're against and start focusing what we are for because that is the american principles tell the world what you're for tell the world your story and if you tell the world your story you win you win because how can i say this because i'm traveling your country And I'm sharing a narrative of what your country is all about, the spirit and all your history. And it's been received very well, not because of me, not because I'm such a great speaker, but because of the message. There's a hunger for us. There's a yearning for us. It's time to wake up and it's time to start sharing your narrative once again. finish up the say show by just sharing some random thoughts with you so i got this question privately in social media this week and it's from someone who when you hear the question you understand who it's from you can you can just gather the political persuasion of this person but they're friendly and i've never had any problems with them and we just discuss we just disagree on pretty much everything you know i i know you're on your tour john you know you know, and I'm sure you're you're sharing a message positive and trying to spin it for all the people on your show. I listen to it. But can you tell me some of the things that you see in our country right now that are bad? Can you at least be honest about that? Who asks a question like that? But I do want to share some things because your people have changed. Your country has changed, and some ways not for the better. I'm gonna share some of the reasons, not for the better, and then you can decide how you fix these things. Because you'd be surprised at the power you have. So the first reason your country is worse, and I never thought this would happen in America. Your customer services suck. Your customer services are horrible. I've never met so many staff in my life, and I include living in Ireland, who are disinterested, rude, horrible, mean, and just look like they don't care and they don't want to be around. I never thought I would witnessed this in America because America has a system called tipping. The amount of hostesses I've met who are just like, literally they throw the food at you. I was in a restaurant, an establishment the other night and I, I was eating late at night because I had an event and I had a long drive back and I pulled into this establishment. and I ordered a, a BLT and the t- it came out on toast. I have never seen a more burnt piece of toast in my life. It was pure black. The fact that the chef sent that shows that chef has given up. But the fact that the hostess took it from the chef and then proceeded to serve it to me shows they don't care either. And then when I asked for a fresh one, less burnt, it was like I had asked for the biggest inconvenience. Customer services is horrible. The other thing that's horrible is just everyone's attitude everyone seems to be angry. Everyone seems to be pissed off in some way. Excuse my French, especially when they're at work. You know, it's actually got to the point where I actually said this someone the other day, they were actually really pleasant to me and they were nice. And literally all they did was, you know, they didn't actually serve me my food. They just cashed my checkout at the register and they were just genuinely nice. And they had a lovely smile on. And I was like, thank you for being nice. She's like, of course, and I was like, keep, keep smiling having a great attitude. She's like, I always have a great attitude. Life sucks, but I'm still going to have a great attitude and do the best I can. And I was like, never lose that because everyone else seems to have lost it in America right now or it feels that way. And by the way, I'm not just in one state. I've been traveling through 15 different states. I think I've gone to 10 states so far. There have been some nice people, but it's been the exception, not the norm. And that's something that has changed. Now, why am I sharing this to you? Because I'm going to spin it for you. Remember I did a show a couple of weeks ago where I said there's no opportunities in your country? And I started sharing that story about buckies and what you can earn. I'm sharing this for you to be on to give you the honest answer of how your country has changed for the negative, but also to turn it around and say, these are, these are opportunities. It's never been easier to be successful in America in a job. Turn up, don't call in sick, be on time, and actually have a good attitude. You don't have to be the best at what you do anymore to get promoted. You just literally have to be competent. It actually is getting to the point where when someone just says hi to me, I'm like, hey, I always, says, I always usually say hello to people and just try and talk to them. And I'm usually lucky because I get a better service and a lot of times than Americans do because they hear the accent. So I have that bias. People are like, hey, where are you from? And it automatically opens a conversation. But your service is routinely horrible. If you want a job and you want to start working, you want to start working up through the ranks, just be somewhat good at what you do. You don't have to be great. Just be good. And you won't be there very long, because it is so rare today. There is opportunities if you're willing to look. Second thing I've noticed: the cost of living. Had a great conversation with a, a trucker. A couple of, I think I apologize when I say the times every day just is burning into each other. I don't even know what day it is recording this show. I'm like, just every day is just, don't ever, by the way, just on a side point, if anyone ever says to you to do 65 events in 85 days in 15 states, shoot them. And I don't mean shoot them to hurt them. I mean, shoot them to kill them because they're insane. Um, But I had this conversation, I think it was about a week or 10 days ago. And I saw this trucker and he had this big rig outside and I I found out the event and I was like, who owns that rig? And they said, they pointed at an event and they showed him. And it was the typical, you know, if, just imagine a trucker. I, if I if I wasn't, if I wanted to be prejudiced, if I wanted to look into this room and kind of go, hmm, who do I look here? Is Who do I think in this room is the trucker? I would have pointed at the exact same person. You know, the typical stereotypical mold of a trucker. But I went up and he actually came up to the event after. And I started speaking to him. And I was like, so I just got to ask you, just want to confirm, you're the guy who owns the big rig? And he went, yep. And I went... I just got to ask you, how's your life changed over the last year? And he went you have no idea, brother. He's like, I work for myself. I'm independent. And I was like, so tell me what's going on with you. And he's like, oh man, the rules I have to cut up with. He's like all the, first off the fuel prices. I'm like, I know I can't imagine. He's like, you can't imagine. And he was like, he he said, what's car do you drive outside? And I showed him this car and he's like, yeah. He says, I guess when that gets empty, it costs like $40 to fill. He was like, yep. And I was like, yeah, that's how much it costs. he went, yep, I thought so. You have no idea what my pre- my fuel cost bill is. And then he started telling me, and I was like, wow. And he's like, $40 doesn't even like fill 1% or 10% of my rig. It's like a, just a huge rig. And he's like, just think of how much money I spent. And then he started telling me the miles they do and different things. And I was just like, wow. And then he said, the other problem I have is this. And he's like, I see the shortages. I see the shortages in food in my country. And I'm willing to work more, but I can't. It's not because I don't want to. It's not because I'm not willing to. It's not because there's no work available. It's because of the rules. And I'm like, man, that must be so frustrating. He's like, you've no idea. People are literally putting out going, hey, I need drivers. And can you drive? Nope. Because I've hit my limits. I've hit all the rules and regulations. And I'm like, that must be, how do you cope with this? He's like, there's nothing we can do. He says, I want to help. My country's hurting and I want to help because I want to help companies get food on the table or I want to help get supplies or I want to get Christmas presents. I don't care what I carry. I've got a, he's got this big rig and I don't know whether he owns the trailer with it, but like it was a huge rig. And that's all that was in the parking lot was just, I think I'm calling it the right term, you know, just a rig, the truck part. There was nothing on the back, but it could carry, I don't know, 20 foot, 30 foot, 40 foot of container. I don't know whether he owned that or not. I'm not sure. But he's like, I could carry anything. Got this huge rig. It was a beautiful, it was a lovely red, dark red car uh, rig he's like, I can't do anything. I'm like, I'm I'm powerless. And I was like, man, that's horrible. And this is where I bring you back to the start. What are the answers to this? You see, the idea of America is built on you have opportunities, which are plenty in your country right now, but you just need government to get out of the way because government is always this problem, never the solution. But this is where I bring you back. And I'm sharing this story to link it with another story. Have you Googled, and if you haven't, I strongly suggest you do if you want really bad news in your country? The amount of ships that are currently docked or around the harbors in California, they can't get in because there's COVID issues, there's COVID regulations, there's COVID rules. Why are there states, and I'm sure there's some political reason, I just can't figure it out yet. I can't, I can't find it even a even a stupid answer for this. Why is Texas, Florida, South Carolina, not calling all those shipping companies. Going, hey, I see you've got one ship, two ship, ten ships stuck out in California. Hey, come to us; we'll unload them. And by the time you get your boat here, we will have all the truckers, we will have all the things ready to unload and get it to wherever you need to go. And yes, it might be slightly more expensive for you, but it's your choice. You can be slightly more expensive and have your products delivered and on the shelf, or you can keep them in this in the ocean. Which do you prefer? Which do you think companies are going to choose? Why are people not stepping up? Because here is the last thing where I've seen it. And this is where I'm talking to each and every one of you. The lack of hope in your country is so palatable, it's sad. You have been brainwashed that there are no opportunities, that America's done, America's over, and you become meters. So complicit, and yes, I'm using that word for a reason, complicit, in America's downfall, or you're so complicit that you think you're so powerless and you can't act, or you're just apathetic and you're just like, eh, it's not that big of a deal. Doesn't it, it's not really affecting me yet. When I get when it affects me really hard, then I'll get involved. It's so sad. It's so sad to, to actually talk privately to Americans who believe the lie that they can't solve America's problems, that they can't change anything. It's heartbreaking to me. It's heartbreaking to see all the people who have no hope. How do you solve this? It's time to remember who you are. I always share this story, and I'm sharing it all the time in this, this tour. 1963, JFK said, we're going, by the end of this decade, we're going to the moon. Now, some people scoffed. Some people thought it was boring. Some people thought it was stupid. Some people probably said it wasn't the best spending of money. But by the end of that decade, you went to the moon. Why? Because you're an American and you can. It's time to wake up. It's time to break off the shackles and start being Americans again. Not Republicans, not Democrats, not Trump supporters, not Biden supporters, but Americans. And understand that, yes, things are bad, but you've overcome worse. That what you're doing right now, because of the feelings and the pain, I get a lot of you are frustrated. And if you're frustrated, you should always take some time to lick your wounds and heal. But eventually, sometimes you have to re-engage because good things can happen if you re-engage, if you start fighting, if you start standing and you start acting. It's time to stop talking and start acting. And if you need some proof, there are so many stories. I could talk to you about the three stories I shared earlier on. But if you're really desperate for a positive story, look at me. I am the proof that good things can happen. Two years ago, I nearly killed myself. And thank God I didn't. Because two years later, I am touring your country. I've been blessed with all these opportunities. I have a girlfriend who I'm absolutely stone crazy about. I might actually, I'm really close, maybe one day soon, where I'll get the girl. I'll get the the great friend, the, the lover, the girlfriend. But I'll also get my American dream. How? Why? Because it's always possible in America. I could have given up so many times, but I didn't. And I'm so grateful I didn't. And I'm so thankful to some of you who have messaged me and supported me to help me say, no, you've got to keep fighting. You've got to keep standing. It will happen one day. And it was, it was so easy for me to go. It hasn't happened in 17 years. Why would it happen now? Because sometimes things take time to change. Sometimes you need to take times to grow. That's what you're going through right now. You're where I was two years ago. You want to give up. You have no hope. How do you get past this? You need to rise up and you just need to lick your wounds, get better, but then start on the journey again to making your life better and making other people's lives better. Because if you want hope, there are so many positive stories out there. There are so many opportunities, but also you need to read your history and everything that you've overcome. This idea that this is the powerful enemy, that this is the enemy you can't defeat, really Have you read your history? What does this enemy have that the English didn't have in 1776? What does this enemy have that the English didn't have in 1812? What does this enemy have that wasn't in the Civil War? What does this enemy have that Woodrow Wilson didn't have with segregation? What does this enemy have that they didn't have in World War I, World War II, the Cold War? You've overcome so much, but you need to start believing that you're an American and you need to start acting as such. Because here's where I'll leave you, and I'll leave you with a really personal question. Many people listen to this show salute your military. You're thankful for your military. You thank them for their service. All those men and women who over the years and over 240 years who have died and sacrificed and paid the ultimate price for freedom, have they died in vain? Have they died for nothing? That all they died for was to preserve America and freedom until 2021. So we got to this point in history where we all of a sudden believe the lie. And if I may quote your former president, believe the fake news that America is done, that America is over, that this is the obstacle you can't overcome. Really? Have they died for nothing else but just to give up? Here's the truth. They didn't. You can overcome this. You just need to remove the shackles from your body and most importantly from your brain and stop thinking America's done and start acting and fighting for it like its best days are still ahead of us. Because in America, anything, anything is possible. Until next Saturday at 12 noon Eastern, have a beautiful and blessed week. God bless. Freedom versus freebies. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network.